0: Okay, good morning, everyone. If you've got a Bible, could you go to Luke chapter 11, please? Luke chapter 11. We will get there eventually. What I want to do this morning is um, the outset of the year. I want to just remind us as a church of who we are, what God's called us to, also where we are going to be going over the next sort of 12 months as a church, and also where we're going to be going, what God has called us, our vision, our direction as a church and I want to get into some, some details over um, the next few months of some things that we're getting on in church life which will hopefully excite you as we look forward to 2020. First thing I do at the outset of the year is to remind us what our purpose is as a church, what we're about, what God has called us to and as a church we, when we started the church about nine years ago, now our ninth birthday is in a few weeks as a church, we put together a purpose statement for us and we said that we believe real life is about having a relationship with Jesus following the model of Jesus and then changing our world with Jesus simply put this church is all about Jesus we want to make his name known we want to make his name great we believe that the most fundamental important thing that anybody could have in their life is a personal relationship with Jesus we believe Jesus is who he said he was god the son come to earth the most important person who has ever lived The death he died on the cross was in our place for our sin. He then rose bodily from death, now rules and reigns in heaven, and one day will return victorious and judge all mankind. And the greatest privilege we have as humans is to know him for ourselves, and we believe that is what life is all about, and that's what our church is all about, that we get to know Jesus better, but also we offer the opportunity For everyone around us to get to know Jesus. That's why we do much of what we do. We want to show his love, his grace, his mercy to as many people in as many different ways as we can. And offer them the opportunity to know Jesus for themselves. So that's our purpose. We're all about Jesus and we're all about wanting people to know him for themselves. Let him transform their lives. Where we're going as a church... Well, when we started the church, we believe God spoke to us about three particular things that we've been pushing after, we've been believing Him for, we've been praying for since the church began, and that was that we believe God had called us to be a large, influential, reproducing church. The first one was that we would be a large church, and the reason we felt that strongly is because that's what we read in our Bible. We go back to the beginning of the Bible, and you read that God created the heavens and the earth. And then he created mankind and he put him in the garden and he created Adam and Eve, it says. And the first thing he said to them was, go into all the world and be fruitful, multiply, make more of you. And so God always wanted a large people for himself. And then we follow the story of the Bible through and we find God coming to a man named Abraham. And him pulling him out of where he lived and said, Abraham, I'm going to make a covenant with you, an agreement with you, and your descendants are going to be like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, which effectively is innumerable. If you ever looked on the beach at the grains of sand, you cannot count them. And he said, I will make you a great nation. And I will multiply you. And God has always wanted a vast people for himself. And we follow the story through the book of Genesis, and we find that Abraham has a son Isaac, and Isaac has a son Jacob, and Jacob has 12 sons. And that then grow into what we know the nation of Israel, which we find in the book of Exodus. And so it grows and grows and grows um, as the physical descendants of Abraham. But then the prophets come and say to them and say, actually, it's not just about you. It's not just about the physical descendants of Abraham, the ones who can trace their lineage all the way back to him. It's actually much wider than that, that actually you're to be a light for all the nations of the world, the Gentiles, the non-Jewish nations. They're the ones who've got to know the good news um, about God as well. And then we fast forward to the New Testament and we get the coming Messiah saying, actually, Jesus comes and says, I'm God, I've come to earth, and I'm here to make a way for anyone and everyone to come and know me for themselves. And so he was a fulfillment of what a prophet had spoken. And then after his death and resurrection, he speaks to his followers and says, I want you to go where? I want you to go into every nation. Every people group, every language, every tribe, and speak the good news about me. He trained 12 followers, disciples, to lead that charge, and out they went. And we see through the book of Acts, after Jesus' ascension into heaven, we see the church growing and multiplying. after more and more and more and more people come to know. and churches are planted all across the known world at that time, the sort of the Roman Empire. and it grows and grows and grows. The church grows and multiplied. And then we fast forward right to the end of our Bible and we find the book of Revelation. And we see the Apostle John, one of Jesus' followers. He has this great vision of the end and there is Jesus on his throne and before him it says there is a, a, a multitude that cannot be numbered, echoing back to what God said to Abraham. And they were representatives of every people and tribe and nation and language. And they were all there and they were all worshipping. And so God wants this great people for himself. And so we believe as an expression here as a local church, we want to grow. We want to see more and more people come to know Jesus for themselves. If you just look around, we began nearly nine years ago. There were eight of us and a child meeting in a little hut not too far from here. (laughs) And I was preaching this. God wants us to grow and it was hysterical because my one-year-old son would come and interrupt my sermon and show me the car he had because we didn't have kids work and it was just it was pretty pretty kind of bleak at that moment but god had called us and god has fulfilled his word to us and is continuing to do that and so that is something we believe god has called us to something we are going to keep going after because we want more and more people to know jesus for themselves the second thing god has called us to is that we are to be an influential church we are we to be an influential church. God has, throughout the history of his people, if we read the Bible and even church history, he has used men and women to influence um, the world around them for his glory. He's used men and women, often in normal jobs and normal kind of just spheres, to be influential for his kingdom we see Joseph in the book of Genesis who was raised up to be the prime minister of Egypt and Egypt was the superpower of the time he was second only to Pharaoh and yet he was used powerfully by God to save not only that nation but the nations all around we see Daniel in Babylon um, who was uh, again an advisor to the king raised up and he was used powerfully so much that the king of Babylon a pagan king ended up worshipping the God of Daniel and praising him he used Queen Esther in Persia to save um, the people of God. Nehemiah in Persia to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and the temple that had been destroyed. God used all these men and women for his glory. And then Jesus comes and speaks to his followers. and he says, he says, I want you to be two things. You're going to be salt and you're going to be light. That is what you're going to be. He says, you're the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And salt and light cannot be hidden if you put salt on food. It brings out flavor and it prevents decay. It's why we use it. And so you as the people of God are to go out to bring the flavor of life out, but also to prevent decay by living according to the way I've instructed you. We are also to be light. Light light shines up and banishes darkness so people can see and they're not fumbling around anymore. And that is what you are to do, to reveal truth and reveal um, my goodness to the world around us. And that's what God has called us to, to be influential wherever we find ourselves And as we came to start the church, there was a particular scripture God put on our hearts, put on my heart particularly about us being good and influential where we are. And there was a bit in Jeremiah, I'll read it out to you. It says, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I've sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So these are God's people. They found themselves in a foreign city not used to where they are and he says to them build houses and live in them plant gardens and eat their produce take wives and have sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters multiply there and do not decrease but seek the welfare of the city where i've sent you and pray for the lord in its behalf for in its welfare you will find your welfare as we came to start the church we felt very strongly that we came to this city We came to live here that we wanted to be a positive influence on the city. We wanted to seek its welfare, seek its good. Much of what we do is based around being good to our community, being good to whoever is around us. How can we love you? How can we bless you? How can we show God's love and grace and mercy to you? And my heart is for us as a church. We're gathered here on a Sunday, which is an important part of our week, where we worship God, we hear God's word speak. But actually, most of our life is spent not here doing other things. Jobs, whether they're paid jobs or volunteer jobs or you're raising kids or whatever they are, it's doing something else, another kind of work. And our heart as a church is that we would be influential wherever God calls us, wherever God has called you to be, that you would be salt and light in that place. Some of you work, move in areas of education And schooling and colleges, business and finance, law and local government, arts, music and film, medicine and caring for those in need, sports and recreation and many other areas. And as Christians, we are to be influential in those places. We are to seek the good of where we are. We are to bless them and honor those that we work past, which meant to show love and grace and mercy to whoever it is. We're meant to be the best employees and employers we can possibly be. We're meant to be the best parents we can be, the best volunteers and the best servants we can be. And what we do Monday to Friday, that kind of working week, if you will, is where God will use us to be so influential for his kingdom and to show love and grace and mercy to those around us. So God has called us to be an influential church. And the final one, God has called us to be a reproducing church. We saw evidence of that this morning, didn't we? We can can reproduce on many levels. That's why we love having kids here. We like that reproduction, but we also, what we're about is spiritual reproduction. We want to see more and more people come to know Jesus for themselves. Jesus said to his disciples that they are to go into all the nations. We mentioned that. They're to baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and to teach them to observe what I've commanded you. So there's something there about passing on the teachings of Jesus, which is what we're about. We want to pass on his teachings. We want to teach and train others that they too, in turn, can go and train others as well. We're a church that wants to grow and multiply and see more people come to know Jesus. But we also want to grow and multiply ourselves and hopefully one day plant churches. We've started by multiplying individuals. We've seen lots of people become Christians and then get baptized. That's wonderful. we started multiplying our life groups. We've got more life groups. We're starting new life groups because people are joining us. This is wonderful, and we're going to start dieting them out in different places. We also then want to start by multiplying ourselves and planting new churches because that's the model we see in the Bible throughout the book of Acts. Churches got planted, more and more people came to know Jesus for themselves. And God spoke very powerfully to us as we came to start the church here. We had um, four words that were given to myself and Melanie. Um, No, it was one word, really given four times on four separate occasions about us being a strawberry plant. Hands up who's heard this before. Good. That's good. I'm going to keep going until we've got this. And God spoke to us and said, you're going to be like a strawberry plant, which my initial reaction was great. That sounds terrible. I don't know anything good about strawberry plants, other than they produce strawberries, but, you know, that's fine. But actually, the cool thing about strawberry plants is that they grow, and they produce fruit, which is wonderful. So we can have that in our jam and on our scones. But what happens is, the crazy thing is, they send out these things called runner's. And runners go out from the plant, and the runners go along the ground, and they go into the ground. And what happens? New plants are produced. So if you see kind of a patch of wild strawberries that haven't been kind of tended or manipulated, they are just a mass of plants and runners and fruit. And they are incredible to see, all interconnected. And you don't know where one starts and one finishes, and it's amazing. And God spoke to us about this four times, one week after the other, before we moved here to start the church. We got to that point of, like, God, we hear you. This is what we want to do. So we've been praying into that. We've been starting life groups. We've been seeing people saved, bearing fruit. And we are praying hard, and we're going to be doing that this year into what's next, God. We want to start thinking about planting a church, and I've been talking about this for years, and God hasn't been clear yet, but we're still going after him saying, you spoke on one day we're going to fulfill this, and we're going to multiply ourselves as a local church, and we're going to see more people come to know Jesus for themselves. So I'd love you to be in prayer with me this year. For that, uh, for God to speak and guide us. So, that's just a kind of a general reminder, a sum up of where we're going. If you're new here, that will be the first time you've heard some of that. If you've been here a while, you've heard that a lot. But that's okay, because we need to keep reminding on who we are and where we're going. Let's look um, at some specific things I want to talk about this year for 2020. What do we want to be looking at, thinking about, praying about this year? And we've been talking as a leadership, and we've been discussing things, and we've been working some stuff out. God's revealed a few things to us which I want to lay before you. This is not the be all and end all. There might be other things that come up, but these are some things on the horizon for us as a church that I just want to say this is what's coming. Let's get excited about this. Um, and the first one is me. <laughs> Thank you for that. I was hoping for a slightly better response, but <laughs> The first one is me, and that is, oh, that I wasn't, I was, I wasn't, anyway. That I, I'm now, I am going to be going full time in serving uh, the local church, and that is, um, as of January the first, so four days ago, I am now full time as your pastor. In terms, of I have been released um, by that. Um, from my previous 30 hours a week, I'm now going to 37 and a half hours a week, I will be doing this with all my time and energy. This allows me to give um, all my focus to this local church and what we're doing here. This was a decision we took as the elders, the leaders, and the directors of the church, the kind of leadership, um, the broad leadership, and it was a complete unanimous decision um, for, for us. Uh, the reason for this is we have grown. Just look around, and as you grow as a group, your complexity grows exponentially. It's not a, you can grow linearly, but actually the relational complexity of, a, of an organism like a church and all the things you're doing exponentially grows, and actually trying to give time and energy to manage that, lead that, just requires more and more of me. Currently, we're around, according to our data, around, base, around 140, 150 adults and about 120, 130 kids. So there's a lot of us. And people keep coming and joining us because they like us. And people keep having children. And so we grow. And, and these are these are wonderful things. So it's just a lot. And there's an increased pressure on me. We've sought outside counsel. And Ian Heather Martin, who've helped us uh, over the years. Um, and a couple of them, they've moved on, on to Cairo at the moment, doing great things for God there. But their thing, one of their things before they left, Mel and I met them, was actually, you need to face this this situation and deal with it in terms of my hours and what I'm doing. So they were very much behind that. We feel a real sense of God in this timing for where we are, the juncture we are at the church, that I give you everything I've got kind of in terms of my full attention. And there are opportunities opening up for us as a church that I've subsequently had to turn down because my time has been split overseas things, national things, training opportunities, etc. just networking um, that I can now do. Because I am now full time as your pastor. I will outline the financial implications of this and what it means for us in a few weeks when I do the kind of update from last year's finances. But that's where we are. So please, I'm excited about this. It's something that has been a pressure over the last 12, 18 months for us as a family, just trying to work through what this means. But look, going forward, that's where we are. So that was number one. Number two, number two is the Catalyst Festival. Again, again, try again, go. 23rd to the 26th of May, which is the bank holiday, Uh, this year we are going to the Catalyst Festival. This is a festival that's run every two years, so if you've been around a little while, you wouldn't have heard of it, because last year we didn't go, because it wasn't on but it's on this year. The Catalyst Festival is part of the network of churches we're a part of, the Catalyst Network, and every two years we gather together in the showground near Coventry, the National Agricultural Showground, where we spend a weekend together, basically camping, and there are seminars, and there's kids' work, and youth work, and training tracks, and it's basically hanging out together. Last year, there was about five, no, two years ago, about 5,000 people went They're expecting more this year, and we are going as a local church. It is by far the biggest event we do as a local church in our calendar. It'll be the biggest thing that happens to us in 2020. The way we do it as a local church is we say to you, please book in, come. We will feed you and sort all that out. We hire a huge marquee, enough seating for everyone. We get all the food in, we feed you for the whole time you're there, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and we have a wonderful kind of place where we all hang out. It is the place where relationships deepen the most in the shortest space of time. So you have a few days together, camping together, being overnight, being there in the morning, the kids all play together. It's an incredible time. The weather is incredible. Every year, you won't believe it. Um, And so it is wonderful. So far, I think we have around 90 booked in from our local church, um, which is great, but there's plenty of room for more. Um, And so if you are new to us, a little bit on the edge, what's that about, please grab someone, talk to them about it. They'll encourage you. Thank you for those who've already booked in, but please look into that, get plugged in. If you really, finances are an issue, please talk to us. We have money set aside to help people. We'd rather you were there. And we'll work all the, st- all the rest of the details out. It'll be an amazing time. So get to the Catalyst Festival. Get booked in. Great preaching. Great worship. God speaks in those situations. Relationships deepen. And it's just a wonderful time. It's almost idyllic um, how good, good it is <laughs> and how amazing. The kids have a great time. They all play together. They sleep really well. Um, <laughs> And, you know, you'd be amazed how wonderful it is. So please have um, a look at at that. Um, Details have been out on the emails. Um, We'll put some out again, so please get plugged into that. So there's me going full-time. There's the Catalyst Festival. The third thing looking at this year is um, our focus on prayer. Our focus on prayer. Now, one of the things God has been speaking to us about We looked at last year. He talked to us about going deeper with Him. If we go deeper, He builds higher. So it's all about our relationship with Him. He he spoke to us about uh, expecting and believing for more, and we prayed into that. We had a sermon series about that. And actually, we're going to expect God to do more than we can ask or imagine. And He called us to be plugged into His house, plugged into the church that we're a part of, and that has been great. And we've been pursuing that. But as we looked at this year, what's going to happen? What, what God, what do you want to do? He felt like he spoke to us, and he drilled it right down to one thing, and that was prayer. Because I felt he, he, he challenged me and said, if you want to see some of these things, you want to see me build higher as you go deeper. If you want to see me do more in your homes and your families and your workplaces and with your friends... If you want to see this church kind of come together as a people, you need to be men and women of prayer. You need to be people who are going to seek my face and pray. Activity is good. Activity is important. We need to be doing stuff to make all this happen. But actually, we also need to be men and women of prayer. And the more I thought about this, the more I prayed about this, and I talked to others, I've realized that actually this isn't something God's just doing here this is something God is doing across his entire church, definitely in the localities I'm aware of. I was talking to my brother over Christmas uh, who leads a church over in Northern Ireland, and we were just chit-chatting about Christmas and the family and da-da-da, blah, blah, blah. and I happened to mention, oh, this is what we're doing, he said, how's church going, da-da-da, and I mentioned this, and he said, that's amazing, that's exactly what we're doing at the beginning of the year. He said, in fact, I can tell you five other churches within a few miles of where he lives, in Belfast, that are doing exactly the same. I'm like, really? And then I, I, I met others, some other leaders and talked about and said, we're, we're having a focus on prayer at the beginning of the year. This is something we're going to teach into, this is something we're going to talk about. And it suddenly arrests me that actually God is doing something wider than just our little family for his people to seek his face. So we are going to go deep with God. We're going to believe him for more and we're going to be pulled together to church through prayer. So that is what we're going to be focusing on, particularly for these first few months. Now, have you got your Bible? I said go to Luke chapter 11. Can you look at Luke chapter 11, first couple of verses? They'll appear on the screen behind me. I'm just going to read these to you kind of almost as a way to frame a little bit of this. It says... Luke 11, verse 1, it says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, These are the key words Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say. And we're going to look at the, what Jesus said over um, the next few weeks. But let's a couple of observations on those verses. First one, Jesus prayed. Jesus Christ, fully man, fully God, the eternal one, creator of heaven and earth, prayed. And if someone like that dignified prayer as an activity he would give his time to, how much more as his followers should we Jesus, who was perfect, sinless, the Bible said no one could find any fault in him at all, and none of us can say that about ourselves. Jesus prayed. If we read through the Gospels, we find him disappearing off early in the morning to pray, going to sort of out-the-way places where he got a bit of space and a bit of time to pray to his Father in heaven. We find him praying before big decisions. It says before Jesus called his 12 disciples to him. We know about the 12 disciples. They're quite famous. But what we don't often talk about is before Jesus made that decision and says, I'll have you, 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 and you, he spent The night before in prayer. So when a big decision was coming up, Jesus prayed. We find even when Jesus was under great pressure, he prayed. The night before he was um, crucified, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane with his followers, and he was praying. He actually told some of them off because he said, Can you pray with me? And they dozed off, which, I mean, must be hugely demoralizing, particularly with Jesus who knew what was coming. And Jesus is like you can't even stay awake to pray with me and this great ordeal is coming for me but he prayed. And although and Jesus prayed but he also assumed his followers would pray. Because if we go to Matthew chapter 6, Jesus in a space of 3 verses says this phrase, when you pray not if you pray when you pray, and he says it's three times. And so Jesus knows that this is something that if you're a follower of his, if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, that prayer is something you do. When you pray, he says. It's like when you exercise, when you eat healthily, something he's assuming you're going to do, not, not an option. One Christian writer said, is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? I think it should be the steering wheel, shouldn't it? That's what Jesus' implication is. And so, first thing, Jesus prayed and he assumed his followers would pray as well. The next thing we can observe from those verses is that we need to be taught how to pray. We need to be taught how to pray. It's not something that necessarily comes naturally. Because it obviously prompted the disciples' question. They were looking and saying, well, Jesus goes off praying. He knows what he's doing. And they probably felt a little bit lost, a little bit kind of like, well, well, we should be praying because he prays, but we don't know know how to do it. So they went and asked him and said, hey, help us out, teach us. Because they've observed John the Baptist, that's the one he's referring to, who had some followers. Well, he taught them how to pray. Can you teach us how to pray? And so, therefore, if we need to be taught how to pray, then we need to learn. And this shouldn't really be a surprise to us because... We need to learn everything. Just think about your life. You've got so many children around. They need to be taught stuff. My kids still need to be taught to wash their hands and flush the toilet. But we are pushing hard on training them to not be disgusting little urchins, but actually wash your hands when you come, before you come out of the toilet. Because they need to be taught. They need to be taught how to dress themselves and clean their teeth and all those other things and we do too we need to be none of you are doing a job that you hadn't had to learn something or be taught something to help you do it think about it there's skills that you've learned things that you're doing you think someone at some point whether formally or informally had to teach you to be able to do what you're doing and so when it comes to prayer we need to learn and from Jesus words if you scan on in your bible You'll find Luke 11 or so in Matthew 6, we find what we call the Lord's Prayer, where they said to Jesus, teach us to pray, and Jesus' response was to give them a framework of prayer, which we now call the Lord's Prayer. It appears twice in our Bible. So we're going to be looking at that as a church together. Um, And so what I want to start with at the beginning of the year is with a humble attitude that we would be men and women who are sitting there saying to Jesus, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. You may have learned lots of things in prayer. You may think, I know very little about prayer. But what we're going to look at at the start of this year is come with a humble attitude, and we're going to do a bunch of things where Jesus is going to teach us to pray. And hopefully we will all move forward one, two, three steps in our journey from wherever we are and what we're doing in prayer. So what does it actually look like for us as a church? A couple of things we're going to do to help this process work. The first thing is we're going to do a sermon series called Teach Us to Pray. It starts next Sunday. Put it in your diary. We are going to go back to Luke 11, and we are going to go through the Lord's Prayer. We're going to go through it section by section, what it means to us how it affects our prayer life, how this should affect how we're praying. Once we've done that, we're going to look at the parable at the end of that section. If you look at Luke 11 on persistence in prayer, then we're going to throw a couple of bits in the end about fasting, which is often linked with prayer, and also praying in tongues. So we're going to cover this whole area of prayer over the next nine, I think, ten weeks. It'll take to do all those things, and we'll get that done, and we will hopefully learn... um, From that, It dovetails with what we did before Christmas, which was the free to live, the Ten Commandments, that told us how to live. We're now going to look at how to pray, and before the end of this academic year, we're going to look at the Apostles' Creed, which will tell us what we believe. So that will all be some great discipleship for all of us, but that's what we're going to do. So we're going to have that starting next Sunday, Teach Us to Pray, going through the Lord's Prayer. The second thing we're also going to do to help us to pray is in our life groups, we're going to run um, the prayer course now, what we're going to do with our life groups, the life group leaders have all been primed about this and the overseers, and they're super excited and getting ready to go. We're going to run this course, which has come out the 24-7 Prayer Movement. You may or may not have heard of them, um, basically been pushing this. They've got a mandate from God they feel to kind of prayer throughout the body of Christ. Um, and they put together this course, which is all online, really good, high-quality stuff, And we are going to go in our life groups, we're going to do the same thing, we're going to eat, we're going to chat and we're going to pray and so we're going to come together at our normal time, we're going to have some food together, then we're going to watch a short video, they're only about 20 minutes long, that's going to tackle an area of prayer and we're going to watch it together then we're going to take some time to discuss. Here there's a few discussion questions, talk about what we've learned, talk about our experiences, what we learn from one another and then at the end obviously we're going to pray. And so that's what we're going to be doing in our life groups over the next eight, nine, ten weeks to work our way through it. And so when you come, you're going to get the same thing. You're going to get an opportunity to eat. You're going to get an opportunity to talk to one another, but you're most importantly getting an opportunity to pray. And our life group leaders know this. Half past nine, whatever's happening, we stop and we get together and we start praying for one another, praying for what's going on in our lives, worshipping Jesus together. And the great thing is if you miss out, um, a week because maybe your partner's going or you're on the shift pattern runs around I think I can't meet that um, and you can go online and just catch up the video and have a little read of yourself uh, a little watch of yourself and so they're really short and so you can still be up to date with what you're going and when you have the um, the WhatsApp groups about communicating and you're discussing everything that's going on you'll be up to date as well so there's no fear of missing out on that sense and the graphical readers have all the information so they will pass it on to you so you know how easy it's to catch up you can watch it on a phone or a tablet um, or your computer at home and it will be great so we're going to do that alongside that we're also going to encourage you to read a book because it's always good to read stuff so we've got this book here Um, called How to Pray, which goes alongside the course. It's not necessary. You don't have to read it, but I think it's a great opportunity. I've read it. I read it last summer. Fantastic. And it says, A Simple Guide for Normal People. That's fantastic, isn't it, about prayer. Simple Guide for Normal People. So you can grab this, How to Pray by Pete Gregg, um, which just dovetails the course. He's the bearded dude on the course, so he's the one who wrote this. And he's a guy who uh, leads 24-7 prayer. He knows what he's talking about. Lots of experience. Talks about... um, Worshipping Guide talks about contemplative prayer, talks about unanswered prayer, spiritual warfare, a whole bunch of things. So this is a great thing to read alongside, and it dovetails nicely with the course. I have three copies here to give away. If you want them, come and grab them now. Uh, Seriously, come on. Thank you. You can read those alongside, pass them along. Um, We're going to do that. So, oh, Ollie and Aaron... I was, I was wanting a scrum down there for a minute there, just thinking, who's, who's the smart money on? So that's what we're going to do. So we're going to run the, um, the prayer course through your life groups. When we go up to our, ch- our prayer meeting, where we don't have life groups that week, we all come together. Obviously, it won't be on that week, but we get the opportunity to all join together and pray. And I just want to emphasize, at the beginning of the year, Church at Prayer, which runs every three weeks, we do life group, life group, prayer, life group, life group, prayer. Come together, join us. Come and pray. Please don't see this as an optional extra at the beginning of the year um, to sort of have a week off. Come and join us. Come and pray. You might feel like um, that sort of thing worries you. You feel intimidated by that. Praying out loud, praying with other people can be quite a tough thing. That's fine. You don't have to pray. Just come, enjoy it. Grab a friend. Say, take me with you. Let me stand with you. Don't let me go. So I have to pray with people I don't know. That's just weird. Help me out. And just learn and grow. This is an opportunity. Come humbly and say, Lord, teach me to pray. And one of the best ways I've found of learning how to pray is listening to others. And so being in a room with other people, hearing them pray, stirs my soul. Helps me get better. I think, oh, yeah, okay, I can pray like that. I can do those things too. I can speak out to God as my father as well. So that's where we're heading 2020. Sound good so far? Brilliant. Let me finish then with one last challenge for you. One last challenge because not a resolution, but a challenge for 2020 all around the area of prayer. Write this one down if you've got your pen out. What I would love you to do this year as we move in over the next few months and we're focusing on prayer and we've got the sermon series and the prayer course, et etc. Et I would love you that whenever you meet with someone from church, to pray with them. Just pray with them. So, this could be, we've got the formal stuff, you know, we have meetings, kids' meetings, the worship team meet, the, the leaders meet, da 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 da. Well, I've just spent a moment in prayer. But what about all the informal times where you have coffee dates and play dates and you bump into people on the street and you're there on the playground and you're just you're hanging out with one another? I would challenge you that whenever you meet with someone who is a believer, And not when there are others there who may not because it would make them feel out. But when it's just us, family meeting, pray. Pray over your dinner maybe before you start. Some people do that, some people don't. Just a good opportunity to thank God for your food. Talk to your heavenly Father. So in every and every opportunity, pray. Find someone. Talk to them. When you bump into them on the street and they're chatting about how life's going, invariably people will say things that will be a prayer request in some form or another or even just a celebration of, hey, it's going really well. Well, let's just thank God for his manifold blessings on your life. Let's do that. Can we do that and use that as an opportunity for God to teach us to pray? And I can't sit here and talk about prayer and what that is without actually praying ourselves. So what we're going to do now is we're going to pray. And I've got Four of my leaders are going to come up, and they're just going to lead us in some prayers that I hope you'll be able to give a hearty amen to. So do you mind, those guys come up, and can we have the band up as well? Because when we finish, we're going to worship Jesus. And basically, we're going to pray. I've asked them to pray about four separate things, just to give us a bit of a roundness, because if we don't have direction or planning, your prayers can meander. It's good to have some focus on your prayer. So I've got... um, Phil is going to pray about us as a local church and where we're going this year. I've asked Matt to pray about... I don't know if you've noticed, we've got a new government just before Christmas. kind of got lost in it all. I'd love us to pray for that because Paul says in his letter to the Romans we should pray for those in authority. So I told him that you have to do a non-political, political political prayer. So we're going to pray for our leaders who lead our nation for the next five or so years and all that that means. I've asked... Ben to pray uh, pray for Andy and Heather Martin out in Cairo and all that they're doing, that God's using them there. And I've also asked Charlotte to pray for um, what's happening in Australia with the bushfires. Ryan and Taryn Botha, who were here with us, went over to Australia about three months ago. We had some contact with them a week or two ago and said, how's it going? We're seeing all this stuff on the news, And they said, it's bad. Even where they are, they're by a lot of water, but there's just... We just want to pray for what God's doing there and just people losing homes and all the other stuff. So we're just going to do that now. So they're going to pass down the line. We're going to pray. We're going to amen. And then we're going to worship Jesus. Can we do that? Do you want to stand up? Do you want to just close your eyes?
1: Jesus, we just want to thank you for this church. Thank you for all that you've done with us. Thank you for over the last nine years, just how we've seen your hand on us and how you've moved. Jesus, right at the outset of this brand new year, we just commit real life church to you again. We surrender ourselves again to your authority and to your plans. We ask that you will guide us. You will show us the paths we are to walk down and the things we are to say yes to. We pray that you will speak loudly to us. You will make it clear what you are asking of us and you will clothe us with the humility and obedience to always go where you are calling us to go. God, fill us with your spirit. Surround us and protect us. Strengthen us and unite us. Knit us together as your people, alight with your spirit, hosting your presence and walking your path. God, I pray that 2020 will be a year where we see you move mightily again here in Real Life Church. Amen.
0: Amen.
2: Lord Jesus, you are our ultimate authority. We submit, Lord Jesus, to your rule and your reign. We are also called to submit to those that are in leadership over us in this country. And we are called to pray for the leaders. No matter what our personal political stance, no matter our personal opinions, Lord, we are called to pray for our leaders. I pray, Lord, you will help us as a people that love you to honour you and to honour them in the way we pray for them and the way we speak of them. We want to pray for your blessing, Lord, upon Boris Johnson and the Conservative Party. I pray that they would know and hear your voice and your will for our country for its people and for our future. God of wisdom, bless them with your wisdom. Bring people into central government that know, love, and seek you. Help them to make decisions that are made with pure and good intentions, that are in line with your perfect will. Help them, Lord, to be honest. Guide them to uphold and fight for your values and justice. For those of us here involved in politics, local government, civil service, Give us the grace to honour our leaders and know when and how to speak out and speak up. Teach us how to stand up for what we believe in a way that honours both you and the government. Ultimately, Lord, we pray for peace. We pray for unity in our country. We pray for those in need. Those that need support and care will not be missed. We pray that time and money will still be directed towards those that have no voice and they are not forgotten as the government focuses on bringing closure to Brexit and moving the country forward. God of wisdom, God of yeah. love, yeah. Prince of peace, King of love, we ask that you unite our country and our government yeah. to honour all that you have given us. Yeah, amen. amen.
0: Amen.
3: God, we thank you for and in heaven, Martin who have heard you speak to them and have said yes to you. I thank you for the gifts that you have given them and that they have been obedient and moved their lives to the Middle East to support local church leaders through training and equipping them. I thank you for the relationship that we have with them and that this wasn't by accident. You have called Real Life Church to be large, influential and reproducing. They exist to give every man, woman and child the opportunity to get to know Jesus in this town, this city and the nations of the world. I thank you that through our relationship with Andy and Heather we get to partner with them and you in what you are doing in other nations of the world. Yeah. I thank you that you are God of abundance and yes. that all resources belong to you. Yeah. I pray that you will bless and in heaven with the resources they need to train and equip for the church out there. We pray that you will help them form a team. We pray that you will help them learn a foreign language and integrate into a different culture. Yeah. We pray that you protect them physically and spiritually and that you protect their marriage. We pray that you help them make great friends and lasting relationships. Yeah. Amen.
4: Father, we thank you that you are Lord over nature, that you are sovereign. Thank you that you commanded the wind and the waves, Jesus, and they obeyed you. And we pray now for the situation with the wildfires in Australia. We pray that those fires would be brought under control and stop in the mighty name of Jesus. We pray that there would be no more loss of life because of these fires. We pray that rain would pour out on that scorched land and would bring relief from the fires and the drought. We pray for the firefighters and the armed services who are battling to contain the fires. We pray your protection over each and every one of them. And we pray that you would give them divine wisdom to know how to best handle these fires and to protect the people of Australia. We pray for those who have lost loved ones and homes and livelihoods because of the fires. We pray that your peace and your comfort would surround them and give them hope for the future at this devastating time. Above all, Jesus, we pray that somehow in the midst of this tragedy that you would be glorified, yeah. that good would prevail, that your name would be lifted high, and that the church in Australia would rise up and be your hands and feet in that nation, yes. and that people would be saved and come to know you. And we ask all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.